Amen. So that little video was taken straight out of Scripture. If you turn to Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, you'll find that story, that same story. And that's the, the story that we want to just go over today to find hope in what seems to be hopeless circumstances. Uh, it was certainly God's specialty. And uh, he receives glory and honor as we look to him, as we fix our eyes upon him, as we look to him to rescue us and redeem us from this dark place that we find ourselves in. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to begin. We're just going to do a quick, I don't have time to go through all the verses of, uh, of uh, Luke chapter 1. So we're just going to do a quick survey of them and try to get the story. So m- most of the story of Zechariah was just played for you. So I'll try to avoid repeating what the video had played. If you look there in Scripture, you'll see that it was pretty much word for word as far as what Scripture uh, has uh, given to us, revealed to us as far as Zechariah's encounter with Gabriel. They're talking about that he would send John the Baptist, the forerunner, uh, the promised Elijah that would come to prepare the way for the Messiah that would come. So in Luke chapter 1, let's begin in verse 1, and let's just see this story from Scripture itself. Verse 1, the word of the Lord says this, Many have undertaken to compile a narrative about the events that have been fulfilled among us, just as the original eyewitness and servants of the world Handed down to the, to, uh, handed them down to us. So it also seemed to me, since I have carefully investigated everything from the first visit, very first, to write to you in orderly in orderly sequence, sequence, most honorable Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things which have been instructed. So this is uh, Luke writing and and. Uh, uh, giving his gospel account, his first-hand account of, of, of what in here in Luke chapter 1 and 2, the birth of our Savior, the birth of the Messiah. And so he's t- writing to Theophilus, says, I want to record these things. And we know Luke was very p- peculiar. He was a doctor, and so he was very peculiar and, uh, and, uh, and judicious about what he wrote down and how he wrote it down. And he, he did it in a scholarly sense. He goes on in verse 5, In the days of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest of Abijah's division named Zechariah. His wife was from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Both were righteous in God's sight, living without blame according to all the commands and requirements of the Lord. But they had no children because Elizabeth could not conceive. And both of them were well along in years. And when his division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, so the different tribes, uh, the, the different uh, priests of the Levites, so the different uh, divisions of the, of the Levites, they were, they were split up according to God's word found in the Old Testament. And they each took turns, their division took turns doing minister, ministration in the temple, the Old Testament temple. And so it just so happened to be uh, uh, um, Zechariah's t- division, to the, their opportunity to minister in the temple. And he, as we will see, uh, drew a lot. We go on. It happened that he was uh, that he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and to burn incense. And so he was chosen to this very special, significant uh, thing to burn incense upon the altar inside the temple. And he was chosen to do that. And the scholars that I read 
they talked about that there was just typically a one-time one uh, opportunity for a priest to be able to do this certain act. That there was enough priests that uh, it was usually only one time they had the opportunity. So he drew the lot. He was able to perform this duty as a godly priest in the Old Testament. And so he's just going about doing this very special work. Imagine, right? He's a, he's a real person. He, he gets chosen. I'm sure he's excited. He goes into the temple. Little did he know what he was about to experience that day. Little did he know. After 400 years, as the narrator of that video says, there was an intertestamental time between Old and New Testament where God was ultimately silent. And we find here, we see here God breaking back into human history and, and, and starting the, the beginning of what is, has always been his plan and that salvation found through Jesus and, and the, his accomplished work. How exciting this is that Zechariah has an opportunity to play a role in this. He goes on in verse 10, Oh, uh, at that hour of incense, the whole assembly of the people were praying or was praying outside. But the angel said to him, Whoa. And so that, that's where he's at. And, and then we find that story that we found in the video. And so I don't want to repeat that. And so Gabriel appears to Zechariah and says, You are going to be given a baby. And his name's going to be John. We know it's going to be John the Baptist. He's the promised Elijah that the Old Testament prophets in, uh, in Malachi uh, to talk about that the Elijah would come and, and prepare the way. And John the Baptist was... This, this promise being fulfilled. So God breaks in. Zechariah is just doing his normal duties. He's, or he's doing a special, unique opportunity to do, doing the altar of incense and all those things. And all of a sudden, an angel appears to him. And we saw in the video how shocking that could be to the... Could you imagine how shocking that could be to the human system? And the, Gabriel says, you will be given a son. And, and we see... A little bit of doubt, right? Our, our faith, our, our hope comes from the faith, our, our belief that in spite of what's going on, in spite of the earthly circumstances, our hope stems from the faith that God is faithful in his promises. And so he expresses a little bit of doubt, but I, I'm, I'm old and my wife is old. And so Gabriel says, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It will be done but you will be silent until the baby is born. And then we find in verse 13, But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, because your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and he will name him John. And there will be joy and delight for you. Imagine all those years of desiring to have a child, and now it's going to happen, and how exciting that is for that couple, but how exciting it is for us, because God has is laying out. He's beginning this, uh, the first appearance, the first advent of our Lord Jesus. The reason why we should celebrate Christmas, that Jesus has come. He says, there will be joy and delight for you, and it's joy and delight for us as well as we contemplate what God has done through human history to save us. And many will rejoice at his birth, and we rejoice even now, some 2,000 years later, that this is, has happened, and we are benefactors of it. 
We jump to verse 15. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and he will never drink wine or beer. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit while still in his mother's womb. He'll be filled with the Spirit of God while still in his mother's womb. When he drink wine or beer, most would, would say that uh, he was uh, going to be a Nazarite. A Nazarite would, would uh, not, was charged not to defile themselves by drinking alcoholic beverages. It's not explicit in that, but that's what most would agree about. And he'd go on, verse 16, He will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. Amen. And we see that being played out, right? He goes and prepares the way by calling people to repentance, the baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Repentance means a change of mind to, to proclaim you must turn from your wickedness. You must call, be, go be, turn to the Lord and to, to what he has for us through the Messiah. He's, he's preparing the way, and, and Gabriel says he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and we see that being played out in the New Testament passages. God's prophets have often called God's people back to God. And John the Baptist was the, the last of the Old Testament prophets, calling his people back to God, and, but in a unique way, calling his people back to God through the Messiah that was to come. How special that is. Verse 17, And he will go before him in the, in the Spirit, and the power of Elijah, there's that promised Old Testament or the promise of the Old Testament fulfilled that Elijah would come, to turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the disobedient to the understanding of, of the righteousness, to make ready for the Lord a prepared people. Verse 20, Oh, now listen, you will become silent and be unable to speak until the days, these days, these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be filled in their proper time. And so we see him not being able to speak until what Gabriel has said is fulfilled. Verse 23, And when the days of his ministry were completed, he went back home. So this occurred, and Zacharias went back home, and he, he remained silent. And after these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived. Amen? God, he who is promised is faithful. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived and kept herself in seclusion for five months. And she said this, the Lord has done this for me. He has looked with favor in these days to take away my disgrace among the people. And so we see here, as we read between the lines, it's not only a source of great sorrow for Zechariah and, and Elizabeth that they were barren, but it was also a source of shame in the culture. The, the inability to, to reproduce brought shame upon those people. And so Elizabeth takes this time to turn this worship and her thanksgiving back to God. The Lord has done this for me. And then we see, as the story goes on, that John the Baptist is born. And Zechariah is able to speak. They were going to name the child after Zechariah. And Elizabeth said, no, his name shall be John. And then all of a sudden, Zechariah is able to speak all these months later. His name will be John. And then we come to Luke 1, 67 through 79. And this is called the Benedictus. This is the blessedness. This is a, this is a, a song that is, Luke records uh, Zechariah uh, prophetically preaching. 
and it's just beautiful. And this and this this passage of scripture, church, sixty-seven through seventy-nine, is just this this beautiful a prophetic word that that uh, was given by by Zacharias about what occurred to them through John the Baptist being born and how special and unique and important John the Baptist was in fulfilling God's promises just as he had laid out in in the Old Testament. And so I hope you you see that, that that in its context, it's it's referring to these, uh, in this Benedictus is what it's called, this song, this is the second of four songs that Luke records for us. In this song, we see this hope for God's people in the Old Testament context. But it's, we have at least 16 Old Testament parallels that we find, 16 different passages that this, this uh, prophetic utterance is, is, uh, is in parallel with. And so that's the context in which Zacharias is preaching this. But, but for us today in 2020, the application for us is great. This Benedictus, these, these, these prophetic words, these words that are spoken by Zechariah through the power of the Spirit are causing and a source of great joy for us today. Because we engage in the same benefit that the Old Testament people in our context were to gain through the coming Messiah we have the benefit of looking back on human history and seeing that the Benedictus, what Zechariah prophesied, is for us. It is our reason for hope. Hope for the hopeless. The true reason to celebrate Christmas is that Jesus has come. And John the Baptist plays an important role in preparing the way the story of Zechariah, someone, his wife, and uh, he, he and his wife were, are, are enduring trials, had shame and sorrow because of their barrenness, and, and praying to God that he would, he, would, he would allow them to bear children. He answers the prayer, and not only they benefit from this answer prayer, but the entirety of humanity. God uses this to begin the coming advent of Jesus. Verse 67, Zechariah, Luke records it, this, uh, the Benedictus, this song here for us. Then his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, Blessed is the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and provided redemption for his people. And so, yes, in the context, it's from the Old Testament, uh, parallel the passage of the Old Testament. But ultimately, our application today is that this is our redemption that through John the Baptist, Baptist providing, being the, the Elijah, the forerunner, through him and then the coming of Jesus, the Messiah, through the virgin birth and, and all those things, these, this is God laying out our redemption. So this is just as much for us. And, and so hopefully this morning, church, as we, as we look in these passages of Scripture, this would be an opportunity for us to, to pray back this, these beautiful words that are given to us, to our God who, who has redeemed us, who has saved us, has been made a way for us through the Messiah. What great passages of Scripture to just meditate on, 
these next few weeks as we prepare our hearts for what truly is important in this season, and that is Jesus has come. Jesus was born. Our Creator God was, was born. He became flesh. This is our redemption. Blessed is the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and provided redemption for his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation. This is our salvation. Through the Messiah, we have salvation. We can roll these words back up to God as a means in which we can praise him for his goodness and his love. He has raised up a horn of salvation. Who is this horn of salvation? It is the Messiah. It is for Christ. He is our salvation. It has been fulfilled. The Old Testament prophecies of the horn of salvation that would come have been fulfilled and, and for us in the house of his servant David, right? The Davidic covenant was the promise that God would use King David's lineage to, to the Messiah be born through him. And that's exactly what has happened. Luke records the lineage, and Matthew records the lineage of the Messiah, and it all comes through David. He has fulfilled his promises, and in that, we have our salvation. It's not just for the Jews. It is for all who will believe and receive. He is our redemption. He is our salvation. We go on. He is, in verse 7, just as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets in ancient times. Right? We've been going in Galatians, and we've seen how it's always been God's plan to save his people through the Messiah. And then in verse 71, it's not only our redemption, our salvation, but this is also our inheritance, this inheritance that's been given to us by grace. We have not earned it, but it's through the Messiah. And the indwelling spirit that all believers in the New Testament era now have the spirit dwelling inside of them, and it is our earnest, it is our down payment on the internal inheritance that we have been given. We have great hope in the things that are to come in spite of what's going on in this world because of what Christ has done. We have an inheritance, not based on our own merit, not based on how righteous we can be, but based all on what Christ has done. He is our redemption, our salvation, our inheritance, salvation from our enemies and from the land of those who hate us. He has dealt mercifully with our ancestors and redeemed his holy covenant. He's redeemed his holy covenant. Remember that covenant that we've been talking about the past few weeks? The covenant of promise given to Abraham? Zechariah prophetically says, God has fulfilled the promise to Abraham. Through Jesus, the oath that he swore to our father, Abraham, in verse 73. And his seed and, and the, all the Gentiles that um, will believe because of what uh, Jesus has done and, and has broken down the walls of segregation of, of Jews versus Gentiles, all who will believe, every tribe, nation, and tongue. It is our inheritance as well. Man, this is great stuff to be focused on during this season, to get our eyes on the things above, the, the hope that is to come through what our God has done. We have a great inheritance. 
that we longingly wait for. And we see in verse 73, our justification by faith. We're justified. We have gone over this several times to be declared righteous in the eyes of a holy God. He has provided the means. And it's not through our own righteousness or keeping of the law. It's by faith. As Paul so eloquently has been demonstrating to us in the book of Galatians. In verse 73, Zechariah says this, The oath that he swore to our father Abraham, he, was given, he has given us the privilege since we have been rescued from the hand of our enemies. We've been, in a New Testament context, we have been rescued from the sin that has bound us, has kept us separated from our God. Through the Messiah, we've been rescued and redeemed from that. And in that, because we're justified and we're positionally sanctified in the righteousness of Christ, we now have the freedom to serve him without fear. We can be holy and seek holiness and godliness, but not out of fear, but because of love to reflect his love back to him that he has given to us. We're no longer under the bondage of the law or the, of sin the, that is represented in, in breaking the law of God. We have this beautiful opportunity to serve our God, as he would say here, to serve him without fear. In holiness and righteousness in his presence. All our days. Yes. There's many things going on in this world these days. But if you're in Christ this morning. This is who you truly are. This is what it means to be in Christ. That we can pursue God. We can serve him without fear. In holiness and righteousness because of our position that Christ has given us in him. And we truly can do it in his presence all of our days because the Holy Spirit indwells the heart of every believer. We are in his presence. We are now the temple. Zechariah was in the temple, the, the temple made with hands and all pointing to the, the temple that, that would uh, raise its, himself back up and three days later and, and scripture to the New, the New Testament would go on to say that all believers are now the temple of God. We, we can worship God in spirit and in truth. We can present our bodies as living sacrifices to our God and we can pursue him in holiness and righteousness in his presence and empowering us all the days, all of our days in spite of what's going on. What a great blessing. And then ultimately, our justification by faith, and then as we go on, we'll see it is also our message to take to the world. Verse 76. And you, child, will be called a prophet. So he's now switching to Zechariah. He's now prophetically speaking about John the Baptist. He will be called a prophet of the Most High, you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give his people knowledge of salvation. See what Zechariah through the, is saying through the power of the Spirit. John is going to be called not just to be a figure, but to, to, to carry out certain responsibilities. And he was the forerunner of Christ, and so he was to do these things. And, and so this is uh, what we're trying to take application from this. This the same message of salvation that, that was given to, to John, uh, the, the coming Messiah, is now our message to take to the world. He prepared the way. Jesus has come, and now he's left us to be his ambassadors to a world that desperately needs to hear about Jesus. 
It is our message to take just as it was John's message to take. We prophetically claim, proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. We proclaim it to every person to give his people knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. It is the message that Zechariah prophetically said John would do. It is the same message that we now as his ambassadors are to proclaim to the world. To give people knowledge of salvation through Jesus. Through the forgiveness of their sins. By placing their faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone. And look at this. How he ends up this passage of scripture. Because of our God's merciful compassion. Our God is merciful. He's compassionate. Merciful means he withholds what we truly deserve. He's made a way because he is merciful. All those who will believe and receive Jesus' accomplished work, God will forever withhold what you truly deserve and what you deserve through your sin because he's placed that punishment on Jesus. He can be merciful and compassionate to us from what Jesus has done. Our God is merciful and compassionate. The, the dawn from the high will visit us. What a great line of Holy Scripture there. The dawn from on high will visit us. Ever been out in the wilderness, wet and cold, at night, and you just can't wait for that sun. That sun can come up, can't come up quick enough. Family, we went rafting, whitewater rafting this this uh, camping. We loaded all of our gear into, into a raft and headed down the Snake River and stayed overnight. And we had a blast and we were completely ill-prepared for the coming coldness that came upon our camp through the night. Tara and I were freezing, shivering. And all of a sudden, the daylight broke. And we saw the sun appear on the far canyon. And it was working its way down. We just couldn't wait for that sunlight to hit us. We, we would move closer to the, to the, to the light to, to be able to encounter that light, that warmth quicker. And then the light, the warmth that came from that light hit us. What a great image it is for us to see the darkness and evil that pervades this world. And darkness is coldness. And God has made away his promise that the dawn will visit us from on high, the sun the light that he brings to this dark world. It is a message that we need to take to the loved ones around us, to our neighbors, to our co-workers, for he is the light of the world. He says, the dawn will break and to shine on those who live in darkness, verse 79, and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. How blessed we are to be in relationship with our God through what Jesus has done. He has shined into our hearts, but he's not done. The narrator said, God has just begun, right? This world desperately needs to hear 
of this light that Jesus brings that will shine into the darkness and the shadow of death. That sounds awfully familiar, right? Psalm 23. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. The dawn has come. His name is Jesus. John speaks of this in his opening introduction in John chapter 1. And hopefully this passage of Scripture in Luke 1 provides more color for us for what John is proclaiming here. He proclaims Jesus to be the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then in verse 4 in John chapter 1, it says this, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. If there's light in the darkness, there's no longer darkness. The light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. That is our Messiah. That is Jesus Verse 6, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. It is our message to carry, just as it was John's. We are to testify about the light to all men so that all might believe through him. And he was not the light. John wasn't, but he came to testify about the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. That is the true reason we should celebrate Christmas, the birth of Jesus, who is the true light that gives light to everyone in this world. He was in the world, and the world was created through him, creator God in the flesh, he was in the world, yet the world was created through him, and yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own, the Jewish people, and his own people did not receive him, but to all who did receive him, who did receive him and believe upon his, his sacrificial work, he gave them the right to be the children of God to those who believe in his name. That is the gospel message. That is the message that God has charged us to give to the world around us. That is the message that we should dwell on and fix our eyes on and, and the promises given to us through the Messiah that our hope of the coming eternity and uh, eternal life that is to come and uh, in spite of what's going on around us, he who promised is faithful. What a beautiful message he's given us. What a beautiful story of hope he's given us. To those who what receive him and believe upon his name, who were born not of natural descent. You can't, it wasn't through this being born again is not the means in which we can do through natural descendants of a, of a certain genealogical line or of the will of the flesh. It's not something that we can just will in our own mind and do enough good works to do. Or the will of man, same thing. It's not a group of men doing it. We're born again through God. Who are born not of natural descent, or the will of the flesh, or the will of man, but of God. 
He who promised is faithful. We have much reason to have hope and to give hope to the hopeless who desperately need to hear this message. So here we have just a short summary. You can go back and replay this later if you'd like to write this down. Of this Benedictus, this beautiful prophetic passage of Scripture that reminds us of our redemption, our salvation, our inheritance, our justification. It also gives us the responsibility, the charge to take our message to the world. Why? Because the dawn has broken the darkness. Jesus has come to seek and to save those who are lost. We have much to have hope in, church. I pray this would be an opportunity for us this season to really dwell and maybe just pray back verses 67 through 79. Can I challenge you to do that? Pray that back to God as a prayer that you 